The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse, and you can find it on page 1036 in the Pew Bible. The parable of the sower. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, Let's ask God's blessing on us as we're gathered in his name. God, our Father, we come before you this morning uh, with humble hearts. There are many things about us, Lord, that uh, we often get wrong and that we don't understand especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. And indeed, Lord, this morning we pray that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts, 
that you would change us and give us understanding and wisdom so that we may know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message is entitled, Jesus Comes to Reveal and to Hide. How do people generally uh, respond to the Bible as the vast body of divinely inspired truth? Well, in my experience, their response is not always favorable, as I'm sure many of you know. Uh, For the vast majority of people, the Bible can be confusing to them, it can seem contradictory, uh, and many people just simply avoid it because they don't want to deal with any of the issues it contains. And that's because the scriptures address key issues of the human heart. Wherever you plonk down in the scriptures, you're going to discover that. It's speaking always to the human heart. Uh, Jeremiah states, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Good question. Do we really understand our hearts? And the problem is with our hearts rather than the Bible. Uh, We need to get to grips with our hearts. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And our greatest problem in life is the human heart. In these verses, Jesus addresses this directly. He came as the herald of the kingdom, declaring the good news to human hearts. He came to announce the kingdom of God to mankind. The coming of the kingdom. He is the herald of the kingdom. In the first verse, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. As he preached in all these towns and villages, it was a time of great popularity for Jesus. There many people were coming from all over the area, all over the region. Uh, And so the parable of the sower came during this very popular period in Jesus' preaching ministry, declaring the kingdom of God. While a large crowd was gathering, the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, in verse 4. The casually curious, those who had heard about him and heard about many of the wonderful things he'd been doing, were flocking They were coming in droves. It was like a mega church. The casually curious and the critics gathered to hear and to observe him. He was the herald of the kingdom of God. But as he preached this parable, there is a hidden truth in it. Have you ever found yourself wrestling to uncover the truth of God's word? Do you ever read those passages, and there are many of them, where you read it and you go, my gosh, I really don't get this. What is this saying? Ah, And it's overwhelming. 
it kind of puts a full stop in our lives. We, we can't figure it out. Um, the Apostle Peter declares that some things can be hard to understand. And we grapple often at times with God's Word. And we should be grappling with His Word. Not just a cursory reading and then walk away and just close the book and say, well, I just really don't understand that. The calling upon our lives is to grapple with the truth of what God is saying. It requires persistent, constant excavation. We've got to continually be seeking to know the truth of his word. And although he was a popular preacher, Jesus sought a lot more than just superficial adherence. Uh, he therefore intensified his use of parables. Uh, parables demand sincere, thoughtful seekers, not just casual hearers. Uh, many of us think we, oh yeah, I'll get the basic idea. But some of these parables contain deep truths that touch our hearts. Parables reveal and conceal truth at the same time. That's what Jesus said in that passage. That though hearing, they may not understand. Though seeing, they may not see at all. Parables are given so that only noble hearts can fully grasp their meaning. And in this way, Jesus avoided hostile opposition. Because many people were going to criticize and to pick him out on this and that and looking for errors and things that didn't align with their belief system. I know whenever you speak to people about the gospel of the kingdom, you will often come across people with their, who will raise their objections. And people were, would often attack, attack his direct speech, especially the Pharisees and the cynics who would come to question him. Why does this man do this? Who gave him the authority to do that? How can he say this? How can he say that? And it created a lot of opposition. But Jesus then began to preach the truth in parables so that only noble hearts could understand. Open hearts will retain the word of God and persevere to understand. And that's the outline of the parable of the sower. The hearer's hearts. The parable of the sower classifies the attitude of the human heart to hear God's truth. And so we'll see that as we go through these few points. There's another slide here. I want you to see. Right, can you read that? This is a modern, this is a modern interpretation of seeking to follow Jesus. And you can see. The man says, Facebook, shall I follow you on Facebook? And Jesus said, no, I literally want you to follow me. So, Twitter then, maybe. And Jesus said, I, I'm going to start over again. And then you can let me know where I lost you. It's, it's amusing because it's, it's believable. It's, it's the way it is, isn't it, in our society. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. And it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Pretty useless seed. And in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 29, 
the writer condemns unreceptive hearts who have trampled the Son of God underfoot and insulted the Spirit of grace. Because, of course, it is the Spirit of grace who brings the truth to bear on our hearts and to reject that and throw it away and discard it. Uh, They mock the truth. They don't really want to hear the truth. Jesus said, these hearers have no place in their hearts for God. In John 8, 37. The birds of the air steal the seed and Satan attends the word of God. You know, whenever the word of God is brought forth, either from a pulpit or just, you know, in a pub with two people sharing, Satan is right there to attend the word of God, to bring you to a place of doubt and unbelief. That's his, that's his purpose. He attends the word of God as it is sown. And that's what we read. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. This is the way it is for so many people. I recall the day many years ago, a lot of years ago, when I, when I came to Christ. It was a profound experience for me. It was an encounter. I, I, I had a changed heart. And I knew it. I knew I had met the Lord. But something happened the next day. I was in a terrible struggle to understand that what had happened to me was real. It wasn't my imagination. It wasn't some, some psychological concoction that I'd come. It was an encounter and I wrestled with the devil because he was trying to steal it away from me. I phoned a friend and said, please, you've got to help me. Please, have you got any literature? And she brought me a book. Uh, I think it was by a husband and wife called the Bennets, called The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I took that book and I read it from cover to cover almost within a day. And it just allayed all those fears that I had because someone took the time and trouble to bring me information that I could hold on to and understand and realize that my struggle was against the devil trying to steal the word out of my heart. And he may have done that with you. He may even be doing that with you now. We come to the unnourished heart. We read that some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Hardened, skeptical, cynical hearts are very easily dried up. This is rocky ground. The moisture of the word. In fact, the word moisture in Greek sounds like the word mud. The moisture of the word softens the heart. The word of God softens your heart if you will simply open your heart and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and tell you and give you understanding and wisdom. It softens the heart. But the hot sun of cynicism, the blistering rays of unbelief, really can scorch and wither it. When that, word, when that seed comes into you, you've got to protect it. You have to protect it. Uh, dehydration can be life-threatening. 
You go on a long run and don't take water with you, you're going to be in trouble. And it's the same spiritually speaking. But a good farmer is constantly watering his crop, isn't he? You've got to constantly water your plants. Constantly watering and waiting for the rain of the word to come. It's a, it's a, it's a perseverance thing. James speaks about that. About the good farmer waiting for the rains, anticipating the coming of the rain. Sometimes we don't wait long enough. We're not really too interested in that. And then we come to the unfruitful heart. Other seed fell among thorns and it grew up, which grew up and with it, it choked the plants. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. And that seed does not mature and it produces no fruit. Thorns represent, as Jesus told us, a disorganized, chaotic, kind of uncultivated spiritual life. There is a discipline to being a Christian, to living the Christian life. It's got to come. It's got to get organized. It's got to be understood. You can't give it a cursory glance and walk away. Life's worries, life's riches, and pleasures are a distraction for spiritual well-being. Got to get rid of those things. Don't allow those things to over, overshadow what the kingdom of God is seeking to do in your life. The worries of poverty... Some of us may be in debt, uh, up to our eyeballs, as it were, drowning in it, really struggling. But the reality is we cannot allow those things to control our lives. The pursuit of wealth and self-gratification ruin the potential for a deeper experience of God's purposes in our lives. We've just got to keep the ground clear. We've got to make sure that nothing comes in between that relationship that we have with the kingdom of God, with the Lord Jesus, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who's constantly seeking to touch our hearts and bring us into right thinking and good understanding of what God is doing. We must be cautious about serving two masters. It's a real problem for many of us in the modern world, we have two masters. We wear two different hats, you know. During the week, we're out there and we're doing the business. And then on Sunday, we come in and we are like different people. And you know, have you ever noticed how thorns, thorns and weeds grow quicker than the plant? Uh, you know, I don't get it. I've got a lovely little garden. It's very, very small. And we planted it. But the first thing that's up there are the weeds. And they go crazy. And, and so I left some of them to see what they would do. And they, they really get up to size. They're big things. But, you know, if you don't cultivate that garden and control it, those weeds will take over. And then we come to the unhindered heart. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Wow. 
Of course, that depicts growth that multiplies in a good and open heart. I'm a very different person to the person I was when I first came to Christ. And as I've walked with him, there are many things I never understood and didn't understand and had to grapple with and get to grips with. And I wrestled with those things. But slowly but surely, you know, the plant multiplies. The seed begins to multiply. And there comes a crop yielding fruit season by season. Uh, Matthew says yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. That's incredible. Um, I'm not a hundred percent cropper, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a yielding a hundred percent. I could be a thirty. I reckon I, I, I'll be happy with thirty. If, I, if I've just done some multiplication, I'm going to be happy with that. Uh, it's not a race. I'm not trying to impress anyone. Uh, but a crop always results from patient perseverance. You have to persevere. The scriptures tell us often that we must persevere in the word of God and we must persevere in life to live the Christian life. And the word of God helps us mature in our faith. It's only through the word of God that we will mature. You can't mature any other way. The word feeds us. It's like water on dry ground times, isn't it? But we need to read the Bible. We need to get to grips with what it's teaching and how God deals with humankind and how he ministers to human hearts. We need to know this. I think based on this parable, statistically, this parable, 75% of people who hear the gospel fail to retain it. 75%. And Jesus said, wide is the path leading to destruction and narrow is the path leading to life and only a few find it. So it's a real challenge to us. Not to talk about hearts that hear. Jesus said, when he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we must become doers of the word. And it's not easy, is it? <laughs> it's not easy. You know, there are things I put on the back burner. I go, yeah, I've got to get to that. I know what that means. I know what I've got to do. But, oh, Lord, help me. I'll get there. You know, you get this list of to-dos. There's a lot of things in our lives that are all about to-dos. I will get to that, Lord, one day. As long as it's on the list and you are dealing with it. And the kingdom of God, we are told in Matthew, is taken by force. It's a strange way of putting it, isn't it? That we, 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 we gain the kingdom of God by force. The word of God is a sword piercing the heart. That's what we're told in Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 12. It comes in and it pierces and it opens up. It breaks apart that, that, that objects and resists. Powerful, this word of God. Taking the, king, taking the kingdom of force refers to those who make a concerted effort to settle the kingdom in spite of violent opposition. 
And I'm not, I'm not only talking about violent opposition from without, although that is true. Many people give their lives for their, for their, their, their declaration of Christ Jesus as Lord. And they die for it, and they're willing to die for it. But this opposition that comes, it comes in many forms, including our carnal mind, our human ways of thinking, the worldly ways of thinking. That, that is a battle. Uh, it's enmity against God, the lust of our own flesh. This is a war. It is a battle. It's not easy. We take the kingdom of God by force. We must persevere. We must fight on. And there are many verses in scriptures that tell us that we are to wear the full armor of God. That we are to make our stand against the devil's schemes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Do you remember that passage? Have you ever read it? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Lip service without the heart, without an open heart, without a willingness to just lay it all open before the Lord and seek his grace and mercy to come into our lives and change us and give us a passion for his word. Lip service without the heart is just mere hypocrisy. It's just religion without, without the kingdom, without, without God. And so, heaven's reward for hearers. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Wow. Jesus shows us here that the, the light metaphor is intended for us to become light to others. We, we are like lamps that are lit. And, the, and we allow that light to shed abroad into the lives of others. To hear and to understand and enlighten others by bearing all kinds of fruit for the kingdom of God. Uh, you'll notice the women that are mentioned in verse 3 are those who had received the good news and responded by bearing fruit. And they were helping to support the Lord out of their own means. They had brought their lives under the Lord's submission and were serving the kingdom of God, watching it extend, praying that it would extend into the lives of others. They were being examples. I think they were great examples to Judas who carried the purse and dipped into it every now and again. They were giving out of their own means. But Jesus gives a severe warning to all hearers. In that passage, he says, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. That's scary, isn't it? Those are scary words. Because there are people who think they've got it all together. They think it's okay. You know, I once confessed Jesus and, you know, I'm a Christian now and, and really, well, it's also possible that they think they have 
all that it takes, but it will be taken from them and then given to others who have produced the fruit of the kingdom of God. Let me end with Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. It's got to be one of my favorite Proverbs. I love this. If I could, I would preach it next week, but I can't. It says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. This is the Christian life. Here comes the sun on the horizon. You can see those little rays of light. It's kind of there. The, the sky's going orange. But as the Christian life is, is lived, it becomes brighter and brighter and warmer. And it's glorious. Actually, by the time it gets to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the day, you're basking in it. You're, you're just praising. Thank you, Lord. And here it gets to the noonday sun and that sun is coming down and it's lighting your life. It's, it's just beautiful. And this is what the, this, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. Until the bright, full light of day. And we're on this journey. We should be getting brighter and brighter as the day progresses in our lives, as we mature here and there, a little bit here, a little bit there, and walk with the Lord, and it should be getting better. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. It's a terrible thing. And this is heaven's reward. Enlightenment on the one hand, and ignorance and darkness on the other hand. Word ignorance actually means darkness. That's heaven's reward. Enlightenment and darkness. God will reward everyone who does not bring forth the fruit of the kingdom of God. This is the challenge to us as believers, as people who put their trust in the Lord Jesus. This is the challenge. And Jesus comes to reveal and to hide the truth. And we must always seek to find it. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we recognize in our own hearts that uh, there are things about us uh, that you really need to deal with, Lord. We thank you that, that you hold our hearts. You hold us, Lord, uh, in the palm of your hand. You give us wisdom as we seek out your truth from the word of God. You change our hearts. Uh, indeed, you make us more like you. And we pray, Lord, this morning uh, that as we live our lives, as we continue from this point onwards, that you would stir our hearts to to come to grips with the truth of the word of God. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be changed to be like him. And we want you to deal with our hearts, Lord, because in many respects we are rebellious and we often resist your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray you forgiveness. And more than that, we pray for your compassion and help as we seek your face in this world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.